I'm Khalil A. Colonna, and this is Nashville. Last week, we convened a panel to talk about the plan for a new Titan Stadium on the East Bank. We invited two council members to lay out the pros and cons as they see them. We then invited representatives from the Titans and the mayor's office to answer questions we solicited from the community. Our goal was to hold them accountable. But many listeners did not feel like community concerns got a fair shake in that conversation. So today, we'll hear directly from community members and organizers. We also want to hear your questions and concerns about the stadium deal. Tweet us at This Is Nashville. But first, it's time for Add Us. Each week, we take time to read the comments so you don't have to. Yes, I'm encouraging you to literally at us on Twitter at This Is Nashville and on Instagram at This Is Nashville underscore WPLN. Joining me now with a look back at the past week is our digital lead, Anna Gallegos Cannon. Hey, Anna. Hey, Khalil. It's glad to be back in the studio with you, as always. So glad to be here with you. Okay, so tell me, what's going on with our listeners this week? Well, for any listeners who are deciding what to have for lunch, we received some food truck recommendations after last Friday's show. Mm -hmm. Someone who simply goes by himself on Twitter recommended Jay's Chicago because it serves up real Chicago dogs and kielbasa. Our senior producer, Steve Harouche, is from Chicago, and he promises to report back if they're actual real Chicago dogs. Okay. But, you know, for our vegetarian and vegan listeners, or just anyone who's listening who wants something meat-free. Um, he also recommended the grilled cheesery. And he said, grilled cheesery is fabulous, all caps fabulous. And I'm certain their tomato soup is served in paradise. Mm. And then someone who goes by Kiss Hope She's Iris, Irish on Twitter suggested the vegan truck Rice, rolls, and who knows? Okay, there's so many options, and I was out for the past couple days sick. I definitely had myself a grilled cheese and tomato soup. Oh, Uh, it was so good, so good. (laughs) So our our guest and Beria Babe owner Nadine Moore received high praise from Lindsay, who sent us an Instagram message saying, quote, Nadine absolutely rules, and thank you for sharing her magic on your program. I have had the pleasure of working with her in New York City and have been so inspired by her ever since, end quote. So after the show, Nadine gave us a glimpse into restaurant kitchen culture and the idea of quote-unquote mean head chefs. So on Instagram, she actually left us a comment saying, quote, this is what I like to call the cycle of abuse. We learned as chefs to be respected. We had to sacrifice our lives for this industry and be really mean to get our point across. I learned this working in New York City restaurants, and I have become the mean chef because that's what I was taught. Then I moved to Atlanta and had an epiphany from a very hard conversation that made me realize that we don't need to be this to be this way to be successful. From then, I vowed to be a leader who showed empathy and respect. This changed my life and ended the, quote, cycle of abuse for me as a chef. But... So many are still stuck in that culture that a chef needs to be mean, you know, like Gordon Ramsay, actually, mm. <laughs> to be respected. I think COVID, I think since COVID, people have realized their self-worth and the cycle is ending. And Nadine actually gave a shout out to um, Citizen Kitchen founder, Laura Wilson, for bringing up this type of restaurant culture in your shotgun ride with her. Yes, we talked about that extensively as we both have had experience Laura, with a lot more experience in kitchen and restaurant culture, I've seen it myself, and I've always kind of been taken back and aghast when I saw that happen. And 
maybe one occasion in long time in the past, I stood up for somebody. I lost my job, but I'm glad that I did it. All right. So last Thursday, our show about being transgender in Tennessee had quite the impact. What did our listeners have to say to them about that? So on Twitter, we actually did receive quite a few rude remarks, but I am not going to give those a platform on air. Mm-hmm. Instead, I'd rather focus on the positive. And there was actually a lot of that. So our listener, Dana, tweeted at us saying, quote, I'm sitting in my car listening and crying that finally there has been a calm, rational conversation about this subject. They want to be who they are. It should not be a crime. Thank you for the uplifting and kind conversation. End quote. Dana also committed to being a better ally. Um, and we also received an email from a listener named Patty in response to our Friday newsletter, which you can always sign up on our website. Mm-hmm. This is Nashville.org. Um, but anyways, mm-hmm. <laughs> Patty wrote, quote, I want to encourage you to continue to bring us important stories like the one regarding transgendered people and racism. You are shine. You are a shining beacon of light and encouragement. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. <laughs> and on Twitter, Stephen shared, quote, this episode really focuses on the people who are being impacted by these bills. It's inspiring to hear from members of the LGBTQ community that are voicing their concerns and having a platform to tell their stories, end quote. Thank you, Stephen, for that. And I'll tell you what, you know, we didn't think twice about it when we were putting this show together about our state's anti-LGBTQ laws. It's our mission as a show to give the community a seat at the table and to center those directly impacted. And we are, you know, really appreciative that members of our LGBTQ community came to share their perspectives and to everyone who took an opportunity that day just to listen. Well, on the topic of listening, we've been listening to y'all, as we always do. Mm -hmm. Which is actually the impetuous behind this episode. Yes. I mean, so that that's completely right. You know, we've done two episodes so far about this proposal to build a new Titan Stadium. But when our listeners expressed frustration that we didn't invite community voices to the table for the latest episode last week, we decided we needed to fix that. Yes. So today's episode is in response to y'all's feedback. We got a great lineup of community members to talk about their concerns with these plans. And listeners, we know you have thoughts. Mm -hmm. So keep sending us your questions, comments, and concerns about the plans to build a new stadium. And we'll include them in today's show. And in case it wasn't clear, we really, really do read your feedback. So keep it coming. That is our digital lead, Anna Gallegos-Cannon. Thanks for this roundup as always, Anna. We'll see you soon. Of course. And our listeners know where to find me online. Don't forget to add us on Twitter and Instagram. And let's keep those comments coming, just like Anna said. Also, fill out our community survey to let us know what topics you want us to cover at thisisnashville.org. It's super easy and quick and helps us produce shows with your needs and interests in mind. We have to take a short break. When we come back, we'll talk with community organizers about the proposed deal for a new Titan Stadium and hear their concerns. Do you support the plan for a new stadium? Tell us why or why not by tweeting us at This Is Nashville. We'll be right back. I'm Khalil A. Colonna, and this is Nashville. On Tuesday, the $2.1 billion plan to build a new Titan Stadium on the East Bank passed on the first reading in the Metro Council. 
that brings the plan to build a new stadium one step closer to becoming a reality, along with a whole new neighborhood on the surrounding land. Last week, we invited two council members, a representative from the mayor's office and the Titans CEO onto the show to talk about the plan in hopes of holding them accountable. But as we just heard before the break, a lot of listeners and community members felt that their concerns were not addressed in the hour. So today, we're running it back and having an invited community leaders and organizers to talk about the proposed deal. But before we get with our guests, let's break down the deal a little bit, okay? Okay, the $2.1 billion deal breaks down like this. At least $840 million will come from the Titans, the NFL, and personal seat license sales. $760 million will come from bonds issued by the Metro Sports Authority. And $500 million will come from a one-time state contribution, which can only be used for a new enclosed stadium. Now, no matter how you slice it, it's $2.1 billion. It's a lot of money to spend on anything. My next guests have questions about why the city is planning to spend this much on a new stadium right now. Mariam Albufazli is the board chair of Metro Human Relations Commission. Simone Boyd is an artist and community activist. And Odessa Kelly is executive director of the nonprofit Stand Up Nashville. Thanks to you all for being here today. Really appreciate it. Glad Thanks to be here. Now, now, Mariam. Last December, the Metro Human Rights Commission sent a letter to Metro Council members. What what were the most pressing questions you asked in that letter? Thank you, Khalil. And I just want to say I am here as just a regular citizen, so my um, my opinions and my thoughts are, are mine only. Mm-hmm. Um, however, we did issue a statement last December um, quickly trying to uh, catch up to the pace of which this huge, like you said, $2.1 billion decision is being made. And we made a couple of, uh, we just actually basically distilled down our questions and concerns to five main points. Um, the main ones were about, you know, why are we rushing? Why are we going so slow, on, oh, so quickly on this when it's such a big deal? And the other important one is what is the criteria by which Government leaders determine to subsidize for-profit investment and activity. Now, that sounds like a bunch of words, but basically tax revenue, if we remember, tax revenue is there. If you look it up, on, if you Google it on the Internet, it's there for use uh, to prepare to improve and develop a city and mostly to take care of education to take care of infrastructure, to take care of the well-being of the citizens. Now, it doesn't matter if your tax revenue comes from ho- hotels or from or property tax. That's what it's there. So we're asking, what are y'all using to determine whether to spend this money to um, private, you know, subsidize a, an investment like this? We're also asking about the environmental impacts. That's a lot of concrete. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we have some landfill issues already in mm-hmm. this city. Where is that going? Uh, we're asking, we're asking, why? Yeah, like I said, why, why the race to make this, and what are the actual equity benefits to this? How, what are the positive benefits to the city from an equity lens to doing this? Those are some of the biggest ones that we're looking at. What kind of response did you get? 
Like everyone, I think like everyone, I'm looking at Odessa, like anyone who asked a question around this deal, I don't think we ever got a response. I don't think anyone's gotten a response. I mean, I applaud the crew at the council that did the East Bank hearings where a lot of people came with a lot of questions. We were all there. But no, I don't think we've ever gotten a response on any of the questions that everyone has you know, brought together. I mean, we have to address the fact or acknowledge the fact that a ton of citizen organizing and just participation has gone into this Mm -hmm. with almost zero response. Mm -hmm. You mentioned something at the top when you were listing some of your concerns and issues. You talked about the speed Mm -hmm. and how this was quickly, this was going on. So what concerns you about the speed in which this whole process and plan is being pushed forward? The most bizarre thing is when you talk, I think it was on your show even, when you talk to the Titans in the mayor's office, um, they act like they've been thinking about this for five years. This is a long process. Well, we haven't been part of that process. I mean, literally in May, we're told it's like something like $700 million to f- take care of this. And then suddenly it's $1.8 billion to renovate it. And it's a go to re- to just build a new one. Mm-hmm. And it's got to be a Superdome. Right. Like for two one, you know. My colleagues here, they're going to be like, they're going to not talk to you about all the issues in this city right now. We're going to talk about. And you know what? I'm not just talking to the city anymore, because as of this legislative session, our state is running our city in a lot of ways. So I'm talking to the state, too. If we're going to spend five hundred million dollars of the state money on this, why don't we talk about education? Why don't we talk about health care? Why don't we talk about infrastructure? That's where this money is supposed to go. So. Yeah, the speed of choosing to put $2.1 billion, and, and I'm a firm believer that $2.1 billion is not the actual total of this project. Mm. I think with inflation and construction and et cetera, it is going to go way above that because this is a long-term project. And we all know that in Nashville, my, my father works in construction. He, his eyes were bulging out on the cost of materials month by month. Mm-hmm. So how do we know this is a $2.1 billion? I don't believe it is. And parking, like they said, like Bob said on your show last week, is not even included in this much less whatever else. So let's say $2.5 billion. Mm-hmm. And we're going to decide. I think they gave us all the documents last week. They, gave, they, they finally released all the documents for this vote that was la- on Tuesday and wanted everyone to read them and, and be ready to vote on them. It's, it's 200 obs- pages. Yeah. It's, I was trying to read it, and it was taking up so much time. And none of this is our job. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So they're rushing it, and it feels like, there's a reason that's not for the benefit of the city. There's some political reason. There's some Titans. I understand we need a better stadium. I totally believe that. I'm not against football. My nephew loves it. But we can fix the stadium for less than a billion, or we can rush a two-point-something billion-dollar um, project, and, and that's the issue. Now, Simone, you know, given what Mariam has shared about rushing the stadium and the other pressing needs, tell me, what would you like to see? in terms of criteria for projects like this new stadium? I appreciate the point that um, Mary made about infrastructure. But for me, the fundamental issue with this deal is that it is a transfer of public goods to private interests. It's a concentration of wealth, and it's not fair. Going back to what happened in Buffalo, in December there was a Buffalo blizzard. 35 people died most of them were black, brown, and poor, and they died due to lack, mostly lack of infrastructure. Their power was out. They couldn't clear the streets. They didn't have the—they the, they died in snow drifts. That's last year. They also passed—New York State passed an $850 million subsidy for the new Buffalo Bills Stadium. At the same time, the owner of the, of the Buffalo Bills, Terry Peluga, 
his personal wealth increased by a billion dollars, and he went up 60 spots on the Forbes 400 richest, richest Americans. So what we have here before us is a transfer of wealth from the public goods, from the private, from the public goods, from us, the people, to the private interests of the Adams family. And so Burke Nighthill, the CEO, has been telling us, or he told us early last year, that the Adams family was selling all their assets. They were selling their assets so that they could help finance this deal. But we know that's not true because last fall, majority owner Amy Adams Strunk purchased 300 acres of land in Williamson County for $14 million. She spent $14 million to purchase land. So how can we believe anything else that they're saying is true? In addition to that, we keep hearing that this is a bad deal. This is a bad deal. So that's why many council members are supporting it. However, it was not, we need to be clear about something. This was not a bad deal for the Titans. It was a bad deal for Nash Villians. 20 years ago, the Titans got a good deal. The owners of the Titans have not changed and the lobbyists have not changed. I talked to James Weaver with the other few neighbors on Tuesday night, and he said he negotiated the last deal. He's been hired by the Titans. He's been hired by the NFL. And so is he negotiating a, a, a better deal for Nash Billions? I think not. Never. So, um, mm-hmm. yes, like people have been saying at those community meetings, we want education. We want infrastructure. We want we want flood mitigation in Mill Creek and Southeast and, and Potholes Field. That's where I think the focus should be. Odessa, what's your reaction to the fact that, you know, a lot of people are saying that we had a bad deal in the 90s. This is potentially an even <clears throat> worse deal. Yeah, I think um, that's exactly the reason why um, Simone and Miriam both uh, are speaking to this urgency. And the urgency is we have to be better and have better conversations around how we make use of public funds and public goods Mm -hmm. because that opens this loophole to where stakeholders and people with vested interests take advantage of everyday working class individuals in the city. And that's how we end up in the situation where we are now, where you have black, brown, and working class individuals who live at the fringe of Nashville. Mm -hmm. And we have made the urban core of Nashville a playground for the rich. You know, I want to go back to something that Miriam said earlier when you asked about the response. Uh, I, um, with her outside of Bob Mendez, um, who has been admirable in leading, you know, uh, the research and bringing all the questions and being a good advocate for everyday working class people who don't have the time to pay attention to this. The response, though, has been very clear and loud from everyday people who do not Absolutely. understand all the pieces of what's going on in this deal. Um, and also to to uh, just to kind of piggy- piggyback on something else she said, talking you asked about rushing. Mm-hmm. Rushing deals through like this is a old classic textbook playbook tactic mm-hmm. that is used. Rushing is a tool of the oppressor. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, one of the silver linings, if we had any in COVID, is that when everything slowed down, people had the time to think and absorb and make better decisions because they weren't rushing, you know, from thing to thing about what's going on. And that is the type of behavior that we should be promoting anytime we have something that is this large. We talked about that when this first deal happened, I was in the seventh grade, and yet I am holding the burden along with 750,000 other Nashvillians for something that I didn't have a choice in. Mm. You know, and I love the Titans, even though they didn't make it to the playoffs, <laughs> you know, yeah. and we want them to be here. But they have a responsibility to be good stewards 
of our public resources and to be accountable and be adults in a room and answer the questions that any person who cares about Nashville should be asking. And, and speaking about the current lease, the you know the cost of renovating the current Nissan Stadium, Titan CEO Burke Nihill said that on the show, quote, I think there's a lot of confusion around that point. The reality is it's a lot. There is no scenario in which it's not well over a billion dollars, end quote. You know, Odessa, there seems to be a lot of uh, confusion on what the costs actually mm-hmm. are. What do we know of the actual cost of meeting our lease obligations for this? That's the biggest question, right? You know, back to what Simone and them just talked about. Man, let me say something, too, to everyone out here. Some of my grandmama told me and my mama's told me and my daddy's told me, you know, <laughs> lies are complicated. The truth is very simple. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even if the truth is, I don't know. People purposely make things complicated mm-hmm. all right, to get you to disengage from the process Absolutely. of what is needed to get to whatever good decisions we need to make. With that said, he is given what we have. Bob Mendez has laid it out. And anyone can go to Bob Mendez's page and read through the memo. When this started um, way back when, over a year and a half ago, the mayor's office and everyone else, this was 100% connected to the East Bank. All right? And this was part of and it. It is. It is part of the East Bank. But all of a sudden, the rhetoric changed, and everyone's trying to, or those like the Titans, uh, Nihil and the mayor's office, are trying to separate the two. My understanding, and this is just me putting it in the simplest, plainest terms for those out there who are still a little confused about what's going on, is, is that due to the contract that Nashville signed, um, however many years ago, we have a contractual obligation, all right, to fulfill. The question, Khalil, is what is the minimum cost for whatever that contractual right. obligation is? That what you're getting now is six to ten months of rhetoric and a millions dollars spin in PR from the Titans and the mayor's office giving you the numbers that they want you to That's hear. Right. Right. So if we can do with our best effort to try to get people to understand what you're hearing is a number that is constructed by the Titans wish list to try to bring the Super Bowl here and help a help a bunch of rich people get even richer. Yes. Mm. Yes. All right. Speak on it. Yes. I, we do not know what the cost is for the minimum contractual obligation to Nashville to f- uh, fulfill, you know, what we were supposed to do. There are also other guests that we spoke to here. We we have to create a new community to pay for yes. the stadium. <laughs> yes. Right? What is the cost of that? Because that's definitely not in here as well. Absolutely. And if it's got to be revenue generating, and we, it goes back to the crux of this issue. We have a lot of issues. Housing is one of them. And housing is tied to any and other issue that you go that is happening in the city. It's part of our identity and our values, right? So in this time where we're trying to figure out who are we as a city in Nashville, I think it is extremely important that we ask that question. Are, who are we creating a community for? I'm definitely going to ask you that question later on this hour. If you're just tuning in, this is Nashville, and I'm your host, Khalil Lake We're talking this hour about the plan for a new Titan Stadium with concerned community members. We want to hear from you, too. So tweet us your questions at This Is Nashville. Now, talking about the cost is a little bit nebulous because people don't understand, but there's one thing that folks may have laid out is how to play pay for this. You know, the plan it calls for 
a new 1% hotel tax to fund the stadium. And Mayor Cooper's senior advisor, Ben Eagle, said on the show, quote, people who pay the hotel and motel tax, with the exception that if you take a staycation, those are tourists and visitors to our town. Simona, she you say shaking your head. What's your response to that? That is categorically false. Mm. We have, I don't know the number, but we have thousands of unhoused people in this city. They live in hotels and motels. This is a countywide hotel tax. That hotel tax impacts them. And we talked about this, several of us, um, Nicole and Nicole Valentine and Kelly Kent, they talked about this with James Weaver. We have 1,500 Metro school students who live in hotels who are unhoused. And so this impacts them. Unhoused people will be paying this hotel tax that they're claiming tourists will be paying, and they will be paying to the stadium. That is unjust, and it is immoral. Miriam, how would you char- characterize the way the city has negotiated this stadium deal? <laughs> negotiated is not the word right. I would use to describe what has happened. What I am, what I am surprised by is how little we hold ourselves, how small we hold ourselves as a city. We act like we are in some sort of desperate situation whereby we need to please for-profit entities that make trillions of dollars, trillions, and and legislatures that have a one point, what, two billion dollar surplus as of December 2022. Okay. And we go to that table and we not, I don't know, I assume everyone's well-intentioned because I would not be able to sleep at night if I thought of everyone's thinking badly, but I assume the mayor and other folks go to that table ready to negotiate on behalf of Nashville, but we don't. We leave with thank you very much, head down for $500 million um, uh, bonds for just a Superdome, and we go to the Titans and we say, okay, yes, we need a new dishwasher, and instead of getting the $250 one that will do the job, we're going to get out, take out extra credit cards Absolutely. and get the $3,000 ones. And you know what? Susie and Joe and the household maybe not get to um, go to school or get extra tutoring, but at least we have that $3,000 dishwasher. Mm. Like, we go into those rooms pretending like we have nothing to offer the Titans, nothing to offer the NFL, and nothing to offer the state legislator. We are a big part of this economy of this state. The Titans, the NFL needs us mm. and loves what is happening here. Why else are they building a Superdome? Nashville is booming. It is a place to be. It still is. And we are acting like we can't leave the table and leave things on the table. We're scared. San Diego lost their team. And I'm not saying that we don't we don't get to lose our team, but they lost their team and they made they made a great result out of that. So we can't walk into these tables just begging for acceptance and whatever they're throwing at us. We are not negotiating. I think we're people pleasing. Mm. Now, Odessa, you know, we're going to get to more of this later, but you have experience negotiating with professional sports teams. How is what Miriam's sharing? How does that resonate with you? She's absolutely right on point. Nashville is soaked in toxic traditions that come Mm. out of, you know, confederacy and slavery. And, you know, we have to start naming that if we're ever going to change these things. Right. And part of those traditions is that we just go with the powers to be. And that's not okay. Um, Nashville has an opportunity and we're in a moment where we can be a shining beacon of what the the new definition of the South is. 
And that's what I want to be a part of. That's just that's mm-hmm. what our moment in history can be. And part of that is us speaking up to the things that Miriam and Simone just talked about. You know, I don't care how you cut it. Um, the money is coming from me and you and to the thousands of people who can hear my voice. It's the same thing that's happening now. There is no other entity in the state that can generate that type of bread. And on top of that, too, I think that as we progress and call ourselves a progressive leaning city, it is quite all right for us to think about what we're talking about. The state said they will only give us money for that. Now, we need money for health care. Mm-hmm. Right. We just deny money for those who have AIDS. Think about how much how 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 were we attacked when we tried to go and get sick leave during COVID for our essential workers? You have no money for that. All the things, workforce development, all the things that we have been asking for money for, our money, matter of fact, because we don't want to generate it. The state gets to put it in a coffer and you know, and then give it back to us in crumbs. All the money we were talking about in the BEP formula, they ain't they ain't got no time for us to do that. Yet they got money that they can give to us for a stadium? Come on, Nashville, think about it. Who does that benefit? Now, you know, we got a tweet at This Is Nashville from Jeremiah Wooten. He says, quote, my biggest question is, do our council members have any appetite to make changes to the proposed lease agreement? It seems like they are treating this deal just like they do the budget, an up or down vote, and abdicating their responsibility to make substantive changes now, Simone, you were at the council meeting on Tuesday. Did you feel like any members were open, at least to listening to other options? I concur with um, Jeremiah. I've actually had several conversations with CM Hurt and CM Toons, asking them to sponsor legislation and amendment to decouple the East Bank neighborhood from this deal. If we decouple the East Bank neighborhood from this deal, it reduces the tax burden that will come from general bonds for building infrastructure. Some when I asked when I asked CM Heard about it, she's like, "Oh, that'll kill the Titans deal." And I was like, uh, "Is that our responsibility?" So I think Jeremiah is right. Uh, I'm hoping that some council members will step up and really think thoughtfully about the amendments and how they can make changes because one, going back to the cost, the $2.1 billion does not cover maintenance costs. CM, Par- CM Parker has been very vocal about this. The current deal that we have, even if it's $1.8 to rebuild, to renovate the stadium, it includes renovation costs. The 2.1 does not include, I'm sorry, maintenance, maintenance costs. The $2.1 billion new stadium does not include the maintenance costs, whereas a 1.8 renovation does include maintenance costs. Or PCS metals. We still have to purchase that. You know, Given all the confusion about this mm-hmm. deal, it's it's I think it's important to have the mayor and the Titans, you know, talk with the community. Tell me, Simone, in your mind, have they done that? No, the Titans have never had an open meeting. They say that they've had 34 meetings. They include the East Bank Vision meetings in those. They include the council meeting in those. And they've had some handpicked meetings with community members that were soft towards them. They've also had some press conferences. They have never had an open meeting with community members. And I'm asking them, I asked James Weaver, the head lobbyist, for a meeting with Amy Adams Strunk, the majority owner. He turned around. He said, no, turned around and walk away. I would like an open meeting with Amy Adams Strunk and Chair, Chair Mendez. You know, Miriam, you were talking earlier about Nashville, how we put ourselves in a non-beneficial and weak position when it comes to negotiating. Almost too acquiescent, you would say. What does that tell you about the Nashville of the future? 
and who the city will be for if we continue to go into deals with billion-dollar, trillion-dollar companies with this same attitude and philosophical practice. I'm so glad you asked that question because I think I have felt foolish so many times as I'm advocating against something or for something, a better version of that thing, when behind closed doors, there's 20 times that being developed. So we're just always catching up for Mm. when they make it public Mm. so that citizens can participate. But I just had this sinking feeling this morning, thinking about all the policymaking going on right now, that there are bills and there are deals being cooked between people and powerful people that are going to come up for decision in the next six to eight to 10 to 12 months that are above and beyond even this that we don't know about that will be, again, uh, distracting, diverting public funds to subsidize for-profit entities. This is like the weirdest formula of public policymaking that I have seen and I've studied it, that we subsidize very successful for-profit entities to build entertainment. This doesn't even, it's not even a for-profit entity to educate our kids Come on now. or to build a hospital. Like even that I would think about, oh, is this, you know, it's not even that. It's just eight games a year. Okay. And so I, I sit here and I think what other deals are being cooked up right now in the benefit of that entity, in the benefit of someone other than the Nashvilleian or the Tennessean that we're talking about. And that means that the future Nashville is one that is not amenable for the middle class. The middle class cannot afford that Nashville. That means that is a Nashville that does not have an income trajectory for low wage income earners that makes them able to live a healthy and sustainable livelihood. That means that education Free education will be the lowest quality education in the city, which is already becoming the case. That means that healthcare, which right now, mm-hmm. as you all know, because we don't do Medicaid, will be something that few and far pe- between will have. So imagine that version of Nashville, which is already a reality and the housing issue. It will be a place for the wealthy and the well-resourced. Mariam Albufazi is a board chair of the Metro Human Relations Commission. Mariam, thank you so much thank for coming you, on Khalil. to the show. It's always great to see you. Simone Boyd and Odessa Kelly will stick with us through the break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation about the deal on the table to build a new Titan Stadium. Do you think our city needs a new stadium at the moment? Tweet us at This Is Nashville. We'll be right back. Colonna, and this is Nashville. It's Tuesday afternoon, and a small group of activists and community members is gathered in front of the Metro Courthouse. They huddle up to share a moment of music and reflection. They're here just before the Metro Council meeting to express their concerns about the Titan Stadium plan. 
After the huddle, they take turns at the microphone. Lathram Barry is here from Franklin. The owners will continue to accumulate wealth. Absolutely. While our racial wealth gap continues to widen. The owner's net worth could cover the renovation. We are living in a racial wealth gap of six to one. The six is white folks, the 1% is black people. Our city is far beyond white and black, but that number is important. If this passes, the owners of the Titans will benefit tremendously, while workers will be working in the most dangerous conditions in the South with their wages being Mercy. stolen. Mercy. I share this information and ask, as a person benefiting from and with generational wealth, when is enough enough? And when will we prioritize collective well-being over individual self-interest? Yes. Nicole Valentine Vaughn lives in South Nashville, near the Napier Sudeckum Public Housing Project. We are at we are at this moment of where our city is showing that they're prioritizing a new stadium, they're prioritizing the, all these ideas and things that they think that they believe in. But it's not what the people want. That's right. That's right. What about the people of Nashville? Not just South Nashville, but all of Nashville. And so we are here today as residents of the city that we so greatly love to show and to express that our city needs to wait and to defer the vote for the East Bank Titan Stadium deal. What matters most? We need to ask ourselves, council members, Residents of Nashville, it is our duty to consider the families in Nashville who are often overlooked and disenfranchised. Do what's right. My next guest also spoke at that press conference on Tuesday. Albert Bender is a Cherokee activist with the Indigenous Peoples Coalition and a former guest of the show. Albert, thanks for being here. Welcome back to This is Nashville. Glad to be here. So, you know, the stadium plan would place a new arena on the East Bank. Oracle is currently developing parts of the East Bank for their new campus. You've been fighting both moves. Why? Well, one is because... Oracle's activities are in line with the erasure of Native American history on the East Bank. On the East Bank, <clears throat> there are the ruins of a tremendously huge Native American city that existed a thousand years ago. And in fact, all of downtown Nashville <clears throat> sits atop this ancient, huge Native American metropolis. And without proper and appropriate archaeological excavation, the erasure of this ancient Native American city and the heritage of indigenous Tennesseans, as well as what should be brought to the attention of non-Indigenous Tennesseans will be erased. And that is why we have been engaged in a number of activities over the past, oh gosh, two years and more, well, I would say uh, two decades and more, mm -hmm. to make sure that Native American history is not erased in the city of Nashville. So. You know, tell me, how did, how did you react when Mayor Cooper announced this plan to redevelop the East Bank with this new stadium and this new neighborhood? Well, 
What really stood out in my mind was when he talked about a new neighborhood. A new neighborhood for who? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Are we talking about houses? Are we talking about apartments? Are we talking about affordable housing? Or exactly what are we talking about? Are we talking about a new neighborhood for people who have benefited from the gentrification of large areas of Nashville's neighborhoods, and also uh, looking at it from the standpoint of the cost involved, and there's been Byzantine confusion over this. We have to look at whether or not the cost of renovating the Nissan Stadium will be less than the construction of a new stadium. And I would associate myself with the document that has been authored by Councilperson Bob Mendez to reject the new stadium deal. Odessa Kelly with Stand Up Nashville and artist and community activist Simone Boyd are still with us. Thank you both very much for being here. Now, Odessa, you said you know, before we after uh-huh. we went to the break, you said you wanted to address something that Miriam Albufazi was mentioning. Yeah, there was the question that you asked, and I think that she's spot on. You were asking her about um, where we were going in the city as far as development, and that is how that was part of the creation of Stand Up Nashville. Like, um, shout out to to uh, Erica Gilmore, who's the first person that educated me about TIF, Tax Increment Financing, which is where we were. 2014, 2015 as a city and how we built all of this new downtown and which also exacerbated to Mr. Bender's point, the gentrification of black and brown people out of the Mm -hmm. urban core of Nashville. Mm -hmm. So again, the question is when we develop, and I'm saying that with with air quotes and revitalize the city, who does it help? Because it has a negative impact on a lot of people. And Anything that's happening in the city, from criminal justice to housing to jobs, all of those things, development has been at the center of it, where there's been a positive or a negative impact. And that's backwards, especially when we start talking about taxpayer dollars, that's general right. obligation bonds, all the people out there, that is your money. That's right. See, people are, are savvy with the words that they use. And all of this does come back to the taxpayer and we should be prioritized in the development of our city and how we want to see it grow. And so I just wanted to like validate everything that she's saying because we have seen this. If you go back and you look at the last 10 years of the biggest developments that have happened and where we've given our pe- uh, public dollars to, really take, take a step back and look at it and ask who has it helped. Hmm. You know, you were talking about housing and neighborhoods mm-hmm. and as one of the issues. Another issue are the potential environmental impacts of this deal and the new stadium being built. Simone, what environmental concerns do you have about this? The Cumberland River is impaired. I'm concerned about clean water, clean air. Um, To Mr. Bender's point about the ancient Nashville, Native and Indigenous people lived in harmony and stewarded the land for millennia. Colonizers moved in and burned up tore up everything. And so, not everything, that's not fair. But we are in a moment where we're facing climate change. We It was 80 degrees last week. Like, how can we learn from ancient Nashville and the people who stewarded the land so that we can think and steward the land for the seventh generation, adopt seventh generation thinking? 
I think also to go back to Mr. about the environmental concerns, what's really important to me and I think to other people is culture. Culture binds us together. And the Titans have capitalized on this shared identity of culture and they packaged it. But what we need is a shared identity and who we are as Nash and as Nashvilleans care for each other. You know, you talk about culture, how the Titans brought everybody together. Something that's supposed to affect it is having a community benefits agreement. Now, <laughs> you know, that's a you know, stand up Nashville helped negotiate the community benefits agreement with Nashville SC for the construction of Geodas Park. Now, on the show last week, Titan CEO Burke Nihill, he said, quote, we've got a one community platform. One community stands for opportunities, neighborhoods and education. And it includes 17 binding agreements with 17 great institutions in the city from Metro Nashville Public Schools to corner to corner Citizens Bank, trying to get to the questions that we heard in the community and the c- concerns we've heard from the community, end quote. So tell me this, how is a community benefits agreement different from this one community program that Burke Nihill was talking about? Um, a community benefits agreement is a legally binding contract. All right. Between uh, the stakeholders or the owners of this property and uh, another group, um, we uh, stand up Nashville. We brought the idea of community benefits agreement to Nash uh, to Nashville in an effort to help the urgencies and the priorities of the city, the residents, elected officials who were looking and banging their heads up against the wall. And the reason being is because. Anytime we were legislating good things, I'll take you back. We put a local hire initiative in back in 2015 to pass overwhelmingly in Nashville. The state stepped in and preempted it. That's the day I had to Google the word preemption. That is state <laughs> interference out there to everyone. That is when we as a city or as a community have deemed something to be of value and what we want to do. And the state steps in and says we can't do it. Mm. Now, you know that our state legislature right now is, from my opinion, is very racist very transphobic, very anti-Nashville, very anti-worker, very pro-oppression, you know, and that is the last group of individuals that are ever going to champion anything that is in the best interest of the values of people here in Nashville. The next thing was ban the box. How do we give our returning citizens, which is a better way for us to identify those who had felons, an opportunity to, you know, uh, re-engage into uh, society and build a better life? We passed that here, and then they ripped that out. Right now, as we speak, Nashville put together one of the best inclusionary zoning and housing bills that is being used and replicated across the country, but we cannot use it right here at home because the state ripped the teeth out of it. Now, here we are in the same position again, and we used community benefit agreement to get the the needs of the people all right. We went out for months. Khalil, we acted like it was on a campaign for election. Mm-hmm. Talk to thousands of people. What do you want to see? All right. And that is the difference between a community benefits agreement and this disgenuous process, even with all of the the organizations who are supposed to might intend to do well. What you're doing. Like, have you ever heard the term? Um um, the the road to hell is paved by good intentions. Oh yeah. Well, that's exactly what is happening with a lot of these groups who are di- uh, they they are being duped by the titans, or they have let self interest get in their way of actually being genuine voices and representative of the people. And it's a shame because a lot of people will see their title 
and make the historical connection mm. to whatever their and, relationship. And they won't go any further. Yeah, relationship mm-hmm. was, and that is not the relationship they have with Nashville or the intent today. So, Simone, let me ask you about this. You know, um, they're taking this community platform approach. The Titans are and working everything out with the with the with the city and the residents here. Do you think that the approval process should be halted until an actual CBA is formed and agreed upon? The, the process should be halted until we get our questions answered. Like Odessa said, the minimum obligation for renovation, Mr. Bender said about um, erasure and native artifacts. The question, where is the stadium going to be proposed? Yes, in addition to the CBA, but all the questions that the Metro Human Relations Commission has asked and Stand Up National asked have not been answered. It should be halted and deferred at least until after the mayor's election because... We have time. Elections coming up pretty soon in a few months. Albert, last question for you, about 40 seconds. What do you want from city leaders right now? Well, what I want from city leaders right now is a slowing down of the process until the real facts are elicited and until the real facts are given to the uh, people of Nashville. And uh, that's what we have not gotten. I uh, will uh, associate myself with the statement that was made earlier. I believe Odessa made it, saying that truth is simple, lies are complicated. (laughs) And I couldn't think of a better way of being put. And uh, also, one thing I'd like to make is a quick announcement. There's going to be a massive Native American uh, demonstration against the celebration of the birthday of Andrew Jackson on March the 15th. And we're asking that all people who support Native American justice and are against the historic racism uh, that has been shown by the city of Nashville to join us in that demonstration. All right. Now, this hour flew by, but the discussion for this proposal should not. Albert Bender is with the Indigenous Peoples Coalition. He was joined by Odessa Kelly with Stand Up Nashville and community activist Simone Boyd. Thank you all for being on the show today. I want to thank everyone who tuned in this hour. Tomorrow, we'll explore the legacy of Dr. Matthew Walker, who brought quality health care to North Nashville for generations. This is Nashville is a production of WPLN News and Nashville Public Radio. Listen back at thisisnashville.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Our producers are Steve Harouche, Rose Gilbert, and Magnolia McKay. Our digital lead is Anna Gallegos Cannon. Michaela Elias is our technical director. Our executive producer is Andrea Tutto. The masterminds behind our theme music are LaRange and Namir Blade. Special thanks to Kelly Chen. The conversation doesn't end here. Tweet us at This Is Nashville. Find us on Instagram and tell us what you want from our show by filling out our quick survey online. We do listen, people. We really do listen. This is Nashville. I'm Khalil Le Colonna. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody, and be good to each other.